You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Uh, be praying for uh, Brother George Alegria. Brother George Alegria recently had uh, surgery. Uh, his gallbladder was removed. Please, uh, he's in the recovery portion of that now, so be praying for him. Obviously, be praying for the Guevaras, and then Miss Tiffany isn't feeling well. I know that some others aren't feeling well right now, so please be praying for them. Let's put our cell phones on silent, and we'll turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 13. I have a very simple goal with my message tonight. I want people to make the decision at the end of this message that you are going to let Jesus do whatever he needs to do this year to work in your life. I want you to surrender. I want you to give everything to him. If he wants to put something in your life that's never been there before or maybe that you've gotten away from, I I want you to be surrendered to that. And if he wants to remove something from your life, if he wants to remove someone from your life, that is needed in order for you to grow, I want you to be surrendered to that. I want you to let Jesus work this year. Luke chapter 13, verse 1, there were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, him being Jesus, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen, upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish." He spake also this parable. There's no, there's no passage of time between this. Verse 5 goes straight into verse 6. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And this is going to be the dresser of the vineyard talking in verse 8. He answering said unto the owner, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that, thou shalt cut it down. I want to keep it very simple. I, I just want to examine this passage. And in this passage, we are going to find What I see is a description of our past and direction for our future. That direction being, let Jesus do whatever he needs to do this year in order to make sure that by the end of 2024, we can look back and say we've pleased our owner. We've fulfilled our purpose. We've been fruitful. Could you say that about this year? I think this time we should not only look forward and plan, but we should look back in retrospect and see. And I want to ask you, I'll ask you at the beginning and I'll ask you at the end. You tell yourself honestly, 
Is Jesus pleased with you right now? Or is Jesus pleading for you right now? Is Jesus and the owner, the, the, the owner of the vineyard, are, is, are they pleased with the fruit that you are bringing? Or is Jesus saying, give them, give them another year, please. Give them another year. If that is the case, that Jesus is pleading, I want this time next year to look different than that. Follow along with me, if you will, as we examine, we see a description of the past and direction for the future. Lord, please bless the preaching of your word. Meet with us here in this place. Let this place be holy. Lord, we do not want residue from old services. We want residence. We want your Holy Spirit to feel so comfortable here. We want God to be home. We ask that you would come in and silence this place and shelve worries and fears that everybody here will either leave closer to you or further from you, but let it not be said that we left lukewarm. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So in verse 1 through 5, we're introduced to two tragedies. There really isn't any reason to go into what historical events they were. We, abs- we have no clue. But one of, the, one of the tragedies is a very blasphemous massacre that takes place in the temple. Pilate walks in, finds a, bunch, finds a group of people, Galilean worshipers. He kills them and then sprinkles their blood on the, on the altar. It's a very, very sacrilegious thing to do. Horrible tragedy. But then Jesus mentions another tragedy. So one of the tragedies is the people presenting it to Jesus, and another tragedy is Jesus presenting it to the people. And the one that Jesus presents to the people is a tower, presumably on top of a, a, a wall somewhere, fell, gave way, and killed 18 people. And with these two tragedies, there was a false assumption. The false assumption being that the people who fell victim to these tragedies were the target of some special judgment of the Lord because they were greater sinners than other people. And that was a common assumption back in Bible days. You read about this in Job. Is that the Guevara's and the baby? Oh my goodness, we have to give them a round of applause. Come on. God bless you all. My goodness, it is so wonderful to see you. Now you've completely distracted me and I've got to start over. Is that okay? God bless you guys. My goodness, I love that. I absolutely love that. Now don't get a big head, but that's wonderful. Um, so it was a common assumption back then. Remember Job, when th- the assumption was if you're a bad person, bad things will happen to you. If you're a good person, good things will happen to you. And the book of Proverbs really gives a lot of principles towards that way. You know, if, if, you're, if you're a companion of wise men, you're probably going to be wise. And if you're a companion of fools, you're going to be destroyed. There's a lot of principles in Proverbs. If you train up a child in the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's principles, not necessarily promises in, in Proverbs. Ecclesiastes kind of throws it on, on its head and says, wait a second, the race doesn't always go to the swift, and the fight doesn't always go to the strong. And sometimes the bad people prosper, and sometimes the good people die early. And, and one thing that good people and bad people all have in common is they die, and bad things happen to them. But when Job, when Job had something bad happen to him, his friends immediately came up and assumed, you did something wrong. 
and they start accusing him of a bunch of different things. You read in John chapter 9, this, this idea was so deep in Jewish culture that there's a man who was born blind in John chapter 9, remember? And yet the disciples ask, they ask a question that's incredibly foolish if they would think about it. Lord, which, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Well, wait a second. How, what could that man have done before he was born? But they, they had this deep idea that if something bad happened to someone, it's because they were a bad person. Jesus says, no, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. It was a common assumption, but it was a false assumption. The, the people are asking Jesus, why did these people die? Jesus tells them, you should be asking, why are you alive? Did we catch it? Because if the idea is that God punishes people who are sinners, what about you, sir? And what about you, ma'am? And so you just assume, well, they must have been greater sinners. Well, now we're getting into comparisons, and we are getting way off base here. So Jesus wants them to ask a better question. You're asking me, why did they die? I'm asking you, you need, why are you alive? Because you're a sinner too. And in order to explain this, this new mindset that Jesus is, is explaining to them, he tells a parable, and it's a parable we can find all of ourselves in. There's three main characters, though one is inanimate. There's three main characters in the parable. One is a certain man, or he's the, he's the owner, he's the master, the landowner, the vineyard owner. And then you have the dresser of the vineyard, and then you have the fig tree that's planted in the corner of this vineyard. And what I see, first of all, in this parable is expectation. The owner planted the fig tree with the expectation that it would bear figs. He came and sought fruit thereon. Then I see inspection. The, the owner didn't just plant the fig tree and then leave it alone. He took interest in the progress of the fig tree. You're taught whenever you're going to be a manager of people or a leader of people, it's okay to expect things of people who are under you, but inspect what you expect. So I not only see expectation, but I see inspection. He came and he sought. He took interest. The third thing I see is possession, because you might ask, what right did that man have to expect fruit? What right did that man have to inspect for fruit? He owned it. A certain man had a fig tree that he planted in his vineyard. And so because he had possession over this fig tree, I would argue he had every right to expect fruit from it and to inspect for fruit upon it. Then we see frustration. He came and sought fruit thereon, and what verse 7 says is he came year after year after year, three years in a row, looking for fruit. And he found none. Not, I know this, this isn't deep, but you have to, not even one, not even one in three years. It's not, oh, this year was a bad crop. It's not that, oh, it's, it's growing figs, but it's diseased. Not one 
piece of fruit for three years. He's frustrated. And what I would say is if he possesses the fig tree, and he has every right to expect fruit from it, and he has every right to inspect fruit on it, then he certainly has a right to do the next thing we see, which is condemnation. He's, he says, cut it down. If it is not going to fulfill its purpose, then cut it down. His expectations were not being met. That is fair. That is justified. Do we agree? If we don't agree, let me tell you why it is perfectly fair and justified for the owner to condemn that tree. First of all, he's the owner. He can do what you realize, even if the fig tree was fruitful, he was the owner. He could say, cut it down if he wanted to. He's the one who paid for it. He's the one who cleared a space for it. He's the one who planted it. He's the one who's been watering it. He's the one who's been fertilizing it. He has every right as the owner to say, I don't want this here anymore. Certainly he has every right to say it if it's not even fulfilling its purpose. So he's the owner. That's why it's fair. And it's justified for him to say, cut it down. The second thing that I see is he had a very simple expectation from that tree, did he not? It's not like he's saying, I want this tree to be the most lush tree in my vineyard, and if not, I'm going to cut it down. He did not say, I want this tree to bear the most fruit out of all the other fig trees. If not, I will cut it down. He did not say, I want this to be the prettiest tree, and if it's not, I will cut it down. He had a very simple expectation. I just want it to bear fruit. I, I, I just want the fig tree to bring forth figs. I think that's a very simple expectation. The next, and it didn't meet that expectation. The next reason I see it's fair and justified is did he not put great investment into that tree to keep it there for three years? We're not even talking about before it got there. He had to earn the money. He had to purchase it. He had to transport it. He had to clear a space for it, plant it, water it, fertilize it, protect it. For three years, he did that. The third reason why it was fair and it was justified in order to cut it down, he had long patience with it. This is not the very first time it could have borne figs, and it didn't, and so he said, cut it down. I'm sick of it. For three years... He was patient with it. For three years, he had hope, and it was dashed. And then the last one, the reason it's fair and it's justified for the owner to say cut it down is because it was, it was wasted potential. It cumbered the ground. So get this. It wasn't just the fact that the tree wasn't bringing forth fruit. Beyond that, it was taking the place of a tree that could be bearing fruit at that time. So it was double damage. He was not only missing out on expected fruit, he was missing out on prospective fruit. And so when he considers, I'm the owner, when he considers, I had a very simple expectation for this tree. When he considered, I've put great investment into this tree. When he considered, I've been very patient with this tree, and when he considered, I could get rid of this tree and put a tree in, in its place, which will start bearing fruit probably immediately, ne the, the, next, the next harvest, when he got to that point, he made a decision, cut it down. And he had every right to do that. But then I see intercession. The dresser of the vineyard said, Lord, let it alone this year also. 
Give me time. Let me dig it. Let me dig about it and dung it. Let me give it every possible opportunity to grow. But I agree, at the end of this year, if it does not bear fruit, then cut it down. Now, do we not see a description of our past there? We are the fig tree, okay? Owned, purchased, planted. Planted by God in a place that he cleared for us. And he allowed us to be born, and I'm not just talking to saved people. He he was talking to saved and unsaved alike. He allowed us to be born for one purpose, to bring profit and pleasure to him. That is why we are born, to bring profit and pleasure and glory to him, not to ourselves, especially if we're saved, certainly if we're saved, not to ourselves. But even if we're unsaved, he created all things, and for his pleasure, they are and were created. A dog was created to bring pleasure to the Lord. An unsaved person, a saved person, certainly, but all of us were allowed by God to be born to bring profit and pleasure to him. And from the day we were born until the day we die, whether we are saved or not, he takes great interest in our progress. He's not indifferent to us. He didn't just plan us in the world and then say, oh, do whatever they do, they do. We're not, uh, what is that word? We're not um, deist? Is, is it a deist? Where God just put things into order and then said, forget about it. That was a cool experiment. We're not deists. We believe that God is actively interested in the lives of his people and in the lives of his creation. So from the day we're born to the day we die, he takes interest in us. He inspects whether or not we are meeting his expectations. And here's what we all have in common. We've all failed. Every single one of us, at one point in the past, God looked at us, saw that we were failing to bring profit and pleasure to him. Every single one of us on this earth, eight, how many billions of people now? Eight billions, and and the, the billions and billions of people that have lived, every single one of us has had a day where God looked down and had every right to say, cut it down. He had every right to do that. We all have fallen short of his expectations, for all have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. We all deserve to be cut down, not just those Galileans at the temple Jesus is teaching. And not just those 18 that the Tower of Siloam fell upon. The question is not, why do do some die suddenly? The question is, why am I still alive? And Jesus' answer is simply this. When God had every right to cut us down, somebody stepped in. You can whisper hallelujah, it's fine. When God had every right to cut us down, somebody stepped in and interceded on our behalf. And he convinced God to look beyond our fault and see our need. He convinced God to put away his rod of justice 
and be patient with us, to give us a little bit more time to repent. For God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Ezekiel chapter 33, I just read this the other day in my devotions, said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. As I live, saith the Lord, I swear on my life, is what he's saying. I swear on my life, I'm telling you the truth, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked should turn from his way and live. And I want you to remember tonight that Jesus, the dresser of the vineyard, our intercessor, our savior, our intermediary, our, our daysman, secured mercy for us when we deserve justice. You have no, you have no idea how many times you are on death's doorstep, but Jesus said, give him another chance. Church, we better praise God every single day that Jesus pleads on our behalf and that he has the power to move the heart of God. Because when, when, when that dresser stood up for that fig tree, that fig tree had nothing. It showed no potential. There were no buds. There were no flowers. There was no sign that this year was going to be different. The only reason it survived is because the dresser changed the mind of the owner. And do you not see how Jesus is teaching? That's, that's us. That's us. We're possessed by God. We are owned by him. There's an expectation. There's inspection. There's frustration. There's condemnation. But there was intercession. Thank God there was intercession when we could have been cut down. So the answer to the question, let's ask, let's ask, wow, I don't know what accent that was. Let's ask the right question. The question isn't why do some people die suddenly? The question is why are you alive, sir? And why are you alive, ma'am? Why are you alive, sinner? And the answer is twofold. One, because Jesus stepped in when we deserve death. And thank God for some of us, it gave us just enough time to repent. And he gave us a little space of grace. And because of that space, God also gave us grace to repent. <laughs> that grace to repent wouldn't have come if there wasn't space to repent. And, and that space to repent came because Jesus said, Father, a little longer, a little longer, a little longer. And God listened and you were spared. And that is why you are here. But beyond that, now that, now that we have trusted, it's time to be fruitful. Jesus secured mercy to give us time to repent so that we could bring profit, so that we could be fruitful. And if we're not fruitful, why should we be spared? And the Bible talks about people who will go to heaven saved, but have absolutely nothing to show for it. A saved soul, but a wasted life. Can you imagine, Miss Connie? A saved soul, but a wasted life. To, to have the Savior die for you and never once live for him. We are alive today for two reasons. Jesus stepped in when condemnation was deserved. And number two, we are here because God wants us to bear fruit. 
And can I put it this way? This year. He wants us to bear fruit this year. Now, in order to do that, you have to allow Jesus to do two things. Dig about you and dung you. Let Jesus remove what needs to be removed and plant what needs to be planted in order to give you every single opportunity to bear fruit. I picture Jesus here, I picture the dresser as soon as as he gets the okay, as soon as he reaches an agreement with the owner. All right, this year also. The first thing that dresser did is he went to the woodshed and he got a pickaxe in one hand and he got a shovel in the other. And he was gonna use that pickaxe to break up the ground and remove any rocks, remove anything that was impeding those roots from getting down deep. And then he had that shovel to get the fertilizer, the natural fertilizer. He had, he had a tool to remove what needed to be removed and he had a tool to put in what needed to be put in. And what I'm telling you is if you are gonna be fruitful this year, you are going to, many of you are going to have to let Jesus take a pickaxe to your friends. Because they're no good for you. And you know it. Well, they're in the youth group. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, I'm going to do it. I'll be patient. I'll be patient. You know, you read, you read in Genesis, oh, i got to hurry. Oh, my goodness. Time, 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 time. You read in Genesis when Israel is blessing his boys. And I think, I think one is, I think it's Simeon and Levi. It's, I think it's Simeon and Levi. And what he says is, Simeon, you on your own, you're a good kid. And Levi, you on your own, you're a good kid. But when you two get, in, get together... It's, it's bad. So he counsels them, you need to stay apart. And if, and if, you, and if you read, if it is Simeon and Levi, please don't quote me, it's, it's one of the brothers. It's, it's, it's two of the brothers. When they get their inheritance in the promised land, Simeon's nowhere close. You're bad news for each other. And there's some of you, on your own, you're a good person. And the other person, on their own, good person. You're nitrogen, and they're glycerin. And glycerin is really good on its own, and nitrogen is really good on its own. But you put the two together. You know that one person when you were growing up that whenever you got around them, you brought out the worst in each other. And I'm telling you, if you're going to bear fruit, I'm not saying if, if you're going to be saved. You might already be saved. But if you're going to bear fruit, you, you are going to have to let Jesus take a pickaxe to some of your friends. You're going to have to let Jesus take a pickaxe to your movie drawer. Because you can't watch that junk and bear fruit. You can't let that stuff come into the tree without, your, without it affecting your output. Even if you do bring out fruit, it's going to be diseased. It's going to be tainted. You're, you're, I'm, I'm challenging some of you to go home and open up your... Do you still have movie drawers, some of you? Brother Ben still has VHS tapes. Ridiculous. Be kind, rewind, right? Some of you, you need to open those up. Some of you still have records. I know it. You need to open it up, and you need to say, Lord, what is stopping me from being fruitful? 
And you have, to, you have to stop, Brother Christian, we have to stop, well, I can handle a D word, I can handle a B word, I can handle a, an occasional GD and an F, I can handle that. It's, I hear it at work. Well, if you're going to hear it at work, you're going to hear it at work, but you're going to invite it into your home? I'm not your Lord, I'm not your micromanager. And this is something that I can't inspect, and I won't. I'm not going to look up your Netflix queue. I'm not going to look up your subscriptions. I'm not going to look, but I'm telling you, if you want to be fruitful, you're going to have to get that stuff out. You're going to need to let Jesus take a pickaxe to your music if you want to be fruitful. And oh, well, I'm already fruitful. Are you happy with, are you satisfied with that? He wants you to bear much fruit and that your fruit should remain. You know the part that I hated the most about Brother C.W. Fisk's soul winning tests? At the end of it, he said this, you are under solemn oath, this was, the la- this was the last question of each test, you are under solemn oath in the eyes of God Almighty. Answer the following question, which best describes your life right now? No fruit, some fruit, much fruit, fruit that remains. And I ask you the same thing. And if your, if your answer is none or some or even much, something is impeding you. You're going to need to let Jesus take a, take a pickaxe to your entertainment, to your thought process, to your phone. I challenge some of you to look up, it, it will tell you how many hours you spend on your phone. You're going to need to let the Lord take a pickaxe. And I'm talking to old people as well as young people. I know that there are some young people in here who are addicted to their phone, but there are some old people, all you do is you sit in front of the, your computer and you scroll and you read news and conspiracy theories and it's ridiculous. God wants more from you. You're going to need to let him take a pickaxe to that. And then you're going to need him to take a shovel and get a big heap of it. A big heap of patience. And a big heap of Bible reading. And a big heap of prayer. And a big heap of godly counsel. And put it in your life so that you can bear fruit. Unless he's expecting something ridiculous from you. Is it not a simple expectation? He's not saying, I want you to be the best Christian in Corpus Christi or I'm cutting you down. He's not saying, I want you to be the most fruitful Christian in the entire world or I'm cutting you down. He's not saying, I want you to be the best soul owner. I want you to be the best preacher. I want you to be the best singer. He just says, I just want fruit, guys. I just want fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100, but I just want fruit. That's all I want. That is a simple expectation, is it not? When's the last time God came to your tree and saw that you had led somebody to the Lord? Some of you, you've been saved months, years, decades, and and he has come and sought fruit thereon, and he's found none? None? I'm telling you, the only reason you're here is because Jesus is pleading for you. 
how about this? Fruits of the Spirit. Love. 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 Love for one another. Love for your Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love. Agape love. Not you give to me and then I give to you, but love unconditional and undeserved. Love. When's the last time he saw that in your life? Joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Goodness. Gentleness. Faith. Meekness. Temperance. Is that not a simple expectation? And I'm asking you, 2023 is gone. 2024 is just beginning. By the end of this year, will Jesus still be pleading for you? Or will you be pleasing to Jesus? And if you will be pleasing to him, tonight, I invite you to say, Lord, whatever needs to get out, get it out. And whenever you need to put in, put it in. But you better be careful what you pray for. And I will have more respect for you if you just say, I'm not willing to give God that power. But let me warn you, you will either give him the power to do everything he can to make you fruitful, or he will grasp the power without your permission to remove you. It's better to surrender than be made to surrender. Let this year, oh Lord, let this year be a pleasing year and not a pleading year. Because, because do you not see in the text, there will come a time, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, it's our AC unit that's broken right now, and it's the devil getting in any way that he can. Seriously? That's enough, thank you. I'm gonna shoot that thing. Do you not see in the text that there is a time where Jesus will say, God, I agree. I agree. I've tried everything, I've done everything, and it's still not working. Don't let that be said of you. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.